kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. What happened is he had just delivered somebody from demons. And some of the Pharisees came along. They said, well, he's delivering demons by the power of Beelzebub. In other words, the devil has given him power to deliver demons. And Jesus said, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. In other words, why would the devil, who has already done work and already taken a soul, now send me to go and deliver that soul? Why would the devil do that? A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And and so when we look at Judas, the scripture says that Jesus called the twelve together. And he gave them power to deliver demons, to heal the sick, to preach the gospel. And and so when we look at that, that is power that is given to us by the Holy Spirit. It says he gave. How does he give? He gives through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Judas received the Holy Spirit or else he would not have been able to cast out demons. Had he cast out demons without being a Christian, without being a sincere follower of Christ, then we would have to say that Jesus divided his own kingdom by giving power to Judas to use his power for impure motives, to do the wrong thing. There's nothing that hurts the church more than a preacher who falls, who stands up every Sunday and talks about the goodness of God and the grace of God and and the holiness of God, and then you find out, oh, he's been having an affair. Oh, he was was out doing this, whatever it is, and and all of a sudden everything falls because when you stand up in front of everybody, then you have influence. And so we have to say, why would Christ send out and anoint with the Holy Spirit to cast out demons somebody who was not a sincere follower? Judas was a sincere follower, and he fell from grace. Falling away from the Lord is a slow process, followed by a sudden leap. Everybody say that, a sudden leap. We don't know a whole lot about Judas. We, we know that he was called. We know that he was chosen out of the many to be an apostle. We know that God gave him the power to deliver demons and, and anointed him for that purpose. We, we know that. Then we really don't know much about him until uh, this time when, when Mary uh, takes the perfume and pours it on Jesus' feet. And Judas gets very upset. But I want to tell you that he didn't go from being a follower of Christ to a betrayer of Christ from one moment to the next. It is a slow process. When you fall away from God, it is a slow process. Amen? When, when, you're, when you're a true believer, you're, you are not tempted by the devil to go out and murder somebody. I know you may think you have, but you're not really. I know when that person cut you off at 410, you had thoughts, but you know what I'm saying. The enemy's, his, his temptation is not for you to go and do something absolutely wicked in front of everybody. His temptation is to do something wicked on the inside, to have a thought, to have attitude, to to have motives that are impure, that are unrighteous, that are not good. That's his temptation. And the temptation is not just to have them, but to hold them, to keep hold of them. And, and what happens, there is a slow process where you begin to justify doing this, and you hold on to it, and you hold on to it, and then all of a sudden, you suddenly do something, and you think, how in the world did I get so far? How in the world did I let myself do that? I never thought, I never thought that I would do that. And suddenly we find out that we have fallen away. King Solomon 
He said in his wisdom, it's the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. Everybody say little foxes. <clears throat> I'm from the city. I don't know what a fox, you know, I don't, I've never seen that many foxes. <clears throat> but what he's talking about is if I am out here and I'm trying to protect the vineyard and, and my job is to keep the foxes away, I can see the big ones. I can't see the little ones. And he's saying it's those little things that you don't see, the little things that are hidden, the little things that not everybody notices, the, the things that only you know. Have you ever sinned and nothing happened except for the Holy Spirit say, you, you know, you sinned, but nobody else knows. No one ever finds out. Everybody in this room has sinned that we have done that no one knows about. So right now, get out a piece of paper and write, no, don't write it down. <clears throat> it's the little foxes. It's the hidden emotions. It's a word spoken under our breath. It's not the affair. It's the second glance. It's not rejecting God outright, but allowing fear to remain. It, it, it's not that we, we just completely stop obeying God, but it's those little moments where we justify ourselves. Well, it's not that big of a deal. And it's a slow process. And because it's so slow, you don't see it. You don't see it. Uh, I was talking to my, my wife the other day, and uh, y'all pray for her. Her back is hurting uh, pretty bad. But I was, I was praying, and I said, I remember when we got married, I had hair. I don't know why it's funny. You, you laughed hard. And she said, no, it was mostly gone already. I said, what? What are you talking about? I mean, I had hair. I remember I used to, I used to take a, a hair dryer, and it was real long, and I would blow it straight up, and I'd hairspray it, you know, the 80s, you know, hairspray. I had a wall of hair right there, boom, a wall of hair. I had hair going down my back, curly, brown, beautiful, gorgeous, shimmering hair. And she said, no, it was pretty much gone on the top. <laughs> I didn't notice. It's a slow process. You don't notice. You don't make a decision one day, I'm, I'm going to walk away from the Lord. It's a little thing. A little bit here, a little bit there. Things that people don't even see. The next thing you know, you've done something, said something, and you realize, oh, I'm, I'm not where I used to be. And it's a wake-up call. And even then, it's a quiet wake-up call. And rather than getting up, we hit the snooze and we keep going. It's the hidden emotions, the unnoticed attitudes, the silent rebellion that is cloaked in, in seeming obedience where I'm doing what I'm supposed to, but I got a bad attitude about it. It's the little foxes that ruin the vineyard. John chapter 12, verse 1, we see this in, in Judas. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Remember, her brother had just died, and she called for Jesus, and Jesus didn't come quickly enough, and her brother had been in the tomb for four days. And when she got there, Martha told Jesus, even now the Father will give you whatever you ask. And he said, Lazarus, come out. And so this is a woman filled with gratitude for what God has done. 
And she is showing that gratitude, taking this perfume, pouring it on his feet and wiping his feet with her hair. Then one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Who does he think he is? I mean, just a few years before, he was nobody. Steep in sin, lost, headed nowhere. Who does he think he is that now all of a sudden he's Mr. Big Shot, that he can talk to Jesus as if they're partners, as if he is some kind of advisor? Have you ever gotten so comfortable with your authority that you've said something you shouldn't have said? Amen? Don't act like you hadn't. You said things to your boss. Or maybe you got comfortable enough with your coworker to talk about your boss with your coworker. You get so comfortable, you think, well, you know, I'm so valuable to this company that no matter what I do, they're just going to keep me around. And, and, and we get so comfortable, we talk back to the boss. We disobey our parents. Can I get an amen, parents? We disobey, we disrespect our husband. I'm not going to ask for an amen because I'm a wise man. We gossip about the preacher. We reject the king. Have you ever done anything that, that after it was done, if God had been there, he would have said, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are that you could just do that? You know what I have said. You know what my word says, and you think you can just, who do you think you are? You think you're somebody special? You think you're, you're, you're above it? You think nothing that I have said applies to you, that you can just do whatever you want to do? If, if God could speak, I, I wonder something now. How many times would he just stop me? Who do you think you are? Mr. Preacher Man, think you're all that? Amen. I was going to say all that in a bag of chips, but I had a birthday. I'm too old to say that now. (laughs) Too old to say that. Listen, we fall away from God when we become too comfortable with him. When we lose reverence. When we lose reverence. Reverence is almost a thing of the past. where, Where we don't honor God as we should honor God. And we're too casual with him. Amen. Too casual. Now, he is the lover of my soul. He is my friend. He is my father. He, he, he is my, my intimate soulmate. But he's still the king of kings. He's still on the throne. He's still designed. You know what his word? He said, I will have mercy on those that I want to have mercy on. Amen. And who am I to just walk around sin and think, well, he'll have mercy on me. And, and, and it is true, he said, I will give mercy to those who trust me, to those who believe in me, but should I have an attitude where I expect it, to where I use the grace of God as a way to indulge my sin? Well, the apostle Paul said, don't use your freedom to go out and sin. Just because God said you're saved, just because he said you're forgiven, don't mean that, don't think that means you can just go out and do whatever you want to do. Right. Amen? Amen? There should be a reverence for God. He is God. And if he said it, it is. Amen? 
There is no law but the law of God. Amen? And, and Judas became so comfortable with the king. And, and the question that I'm asking in this series is, how did he get there? How did it happen? What, what was the process that he became so comfortable that he could speak up to the Messiah and say, what are you doing? Why are you just letting her do that? Don't you know how much that is worth? Don't you know all the poor? Don't you know? Don't you know? The scripture said he said it because he was a thief, and that was an issue, and we'll deal with that. But there was also a spirit of arrogance because he could have thought it without saying it. The fact that he said it, there was a spirit of arrogance that he thought he was somebody special. Nobody else said it. Just Judas. How did he get there? In John uh, verse 5 right there, this is what he said. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. See, I don't think that it's that Judas didn't know who Jesus was. I'm thinking in my mind, and even though we don't have a lot in Scripture, if I'm walking around with a man who walks on water, you know, hopefully I would have enough sense to say, well, there's probably... Okay, he's probably God. If I'm walking around with a man who, who looks up at the wind and the storm and says, peace, and the storm obeys, I don't know. It's just me. I'm thinking, if I see that, I'm going to watch my step. I, I don't think Judas was, was ignorant. I don't think he was confused. I, I don't think that he thought Jesus was some kind of, I think he knew exactly who he was. The issue with this was not who Jesus was. I think he truly understood. The issue was who Judas thought he was. Who do you think you are? The issue was that he thought of himself as somebody above. Well, I'll make sure that things go right the next time. You remember last week I shared with you right after Judas was chosen out of the many disciples to be one of the 12, something like this happened. A woman came and she broke an alabaster jar and and there was a Pharisee and he was not uh, okay with it and he was just thinking thoughts that this wasn't right. If Jesus knew who was doing this and he would say something and Jesus addressed his thoughts and he made it clear this is a good thing to do. Now we've just come just a a, a few months, maybe a year or two, and here's Judas, the same thing. And Judas thinks, well, Jesus obviously doesn't know how to handle money. So I'm going to help him out, make sure he understands what's right. You know, he needs a little help. You ever try to help God a little bit? He don't need your help. He don't need my help. Amen? Amen. He, he elevated himself as an advisor, a supervisor, a partner, an equal to the Messiah, to the King of Kings. And we see it because of the critical spirit. Here, here's a point for you to write down. We elevate ourselves by a critical spirit. He was critical of Mary. You can almost hear him thinking, this is a dumb woman. What is she doing? Does she not see all those people in the street walking up here? Doesn't she know we're supposed to give money to the board? What is she doing? Ignorant. (laughs) Dumb. 
It, there, there's, when, when I begin to criticize myself, then, then I step myself above and say, well, I'm better than that. I wouldn't do that. You know, we, one, one of the reasons the church can't move forward is because we criticize one another too much. We come to church, can you believe what she's wearing? Can you believe that? Look at that preacher in jeans. We criticize. The music's too loud. The music's too quiet. The preacher's too loud. He eats too much ice cream. You know, all, and we, we get all of that. And, and here, is, here is Mary overjoyed for what God has done. Nothing can kill the spirit of joy like a spirit of criticism. And you're trying to praise God and somebody's saying, look, look how foolish they look. Look at what they're doing. Why are they crying? Why do they got to go down the altar? God can hear you from anywhere. You have to go. Why, why, you, why you raise your hands? Why are you singing so, so undignified? She was filled with wonder and awe. When, when was the last time that it really set into your spirit that God has done something so fantastic that you can't help yourself but to praise him? Amen? You just can't help it. But here you have Judas, and he's being critical, and, 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 and I, I try to listen to what's not written, and, and, and Judas says, why was it this old? And here's Mary. She's down at Jesus' feet and pouring the perfume and wiping his feet with her hair, and, and, and I think she looks up, and, and in her mind, I can, I can hear her thinking. She said, it's not about you, Judas. It's about him. It's about what he's done. You can say whatever you want to say, Judas, but I know what he did for me. I know the miracles that he did for me. Amen? See, sometimes when you got people who are saying things to you and criticizing you because of how you worship God, you got to be able to say, I know what he brought me through. I know where I came from. I know the mess I was in. I know how bad it was, and he brought me through. Amen? So you go on and act all dignified, but I will become even more undignified than this. Amen? That's what David, and I'm going to praise God. I'm going to worship. You say whatever you want to say. You don't want to go to church with me? You stay home. I'm going to church. You don't want to praise God? I will praise God. You want to, raise, you want to look all, all special? And I'm going to make a fool of myself because God has been that good to me. Amen? We, we have to learn how to, to shout when nobody else is shouting and, and, and to worship God no matter what was happening. And, and Judas, all he was, he, he, it's like he had forgotten where he came from. It's like, he, like he'd been perfect all of his life. You know anybody like that? All they can do is tell you what you did wrong. The minute they do something wrong, don't you dare say a word because they will let you have it. It's like he forgot. When we forget what God has brought us through, we tend to look down at those who remember what God has done. We forget that God delivered us from smoking, so then we criticize those who smoke. We forget that God delivered us from fear, then we criticize those that have no faith. We forget that God saved our marriage through the roughest times, and we criticize those who get divorced. We forget that God got us up out of depression, and then we say to somebody, just go to church, you'll be fine. 
and we have no compassion. When we forget what God has brought us through, we look down on those who remember. And, and, and those are the people that will love the unlovable. The people that remember where they have come from and what God has brought them through, they, they, they are so full of joy. They say, if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. I got faith in you, and I got faith in you. Nobody is outside of God's grace, and so they will love like nobody has loved and forgive what no one else can forgive and go and take the gospel where nobody else wants to go. Amen? Amen? Because they remember, and they never forget. If, I, I would say, if you never forget where you have come from, then you will stay humble before God. Because as long as I remember where I used to be, as long as I remember that I used to be very arrogant, that I was a liar, that I was violent, that, 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 that I did things that I should not have done, I want to tell you my whole life story and blow your mind away, but there were things I did as a Christian, as a pastor, that God had to bring me through. And so who am I to sit here and tell you this or that? I have no judge to anybody because I'm not innocent except by the blood of God. Amen? And, and so I remember that. There, there are times I purposely sit down and say, let's go back and recount. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Why? Because I don't want to come to the place where I think, look how far I've come. Look how good I've got it all together now. Because then I'm going to fall away. I'm going to look down at everybody else. It's a slow process. Now, Judah's criticism here of Mary the way he criticizes her puts a spotlight on his own ministry because he was in charge of the money. He didn't criticize her for letting her hair down because that was somebody else's ministry. Somebody else was in charge of modesty. He was in charge of money. He said, hey, (laughs) she's misusing the money. Nobody counted that perfume. We don't know how much it was worth. We, we got we to gotta put it in the offering plate. We got to get in the safe. We got to get in the bank. We got to give it away. We got to do it. Nobody, nobody was saying that about her hair. And so his criticism highlighted his own ministry. So we elevate ourselves. The more I elevate myself, the more comfortable I get with God. The more I highly I think of who I am, the more I think I'm somebody so that I don't give God the reverence that he deserves. And the next thing you know, I'm doing things, thinking things, feeling things that are leading me down this slow process. And so I have to maintain reverence. When I criticize people and and I look down on people, then I elevate myself. That's why I do it, so I can look better than all of y'all. Amen? That's why I do it. And and so, but here we see Judas doing something else. Not, Not only does he criticize somebody else, but he puffs himself up because he's focused on his ministry and everything he's doing for the ministry. See, they had to come to him for financial money. Can we spend the money? Go ask Judas. Can we afford this hotel for the night? Go ask Judas. Judas, get his computer out, print out a report, look at it. Can we give money away? I don't know. How much can we give? Go ask Judas. He was the treasurer. He, and so he is highlighting. See, we elevate ourselves by focusing on our own kingdom efforts. Amen. And we, and we start thinking, we start thinking, look how good I am. God is lucky to have me. I mean, I am such a good preacher. Whew. I amaze myself. Can you imagine saying that to God? God, see all those people in heaven? You are lucky I was preaching down there. I mean, whew. Your kingdom been lost without me. 
You're so lucky. You, you're so lucky that I sing so good on the praise team. When I sing, everybody's heart melts. La, 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 la. I'm so good. And I get haughty. I get arrogant. I get prideful. I puff myself up. I elevate myself so that I can be more like him in my mind. And then I get comfortable. I lose reverence. I lose reverence. Because who is it that thinks they can get away with stuff? It's people who think they're closest to God. Right? Are y'all with me? The closer I get to God, the more, the more spiritual I think I am, the more righteous I am, the more confident I am in my own righteousness, the more I think I can get away because God needs me. He needs me. We were in Sunday school today, and somebody said, Pastor, I appreciate how you teach. I, I haven't heard these things before. And I said, I take no credit because every preacher plagiarizes the Holy Spirit in everything they say. There's no glory when you're just repeating what God has already said. Amen? I'm so, God, God is so lucky because we give so much money to the church. I mean, that church would be closed if it wasn't for us. We, we, I mean, we're loaded, and we just give and give and give. God is lucky. I mean, the, clo- the doors will be shut. Nothing will be happening. He is so blessed to have me. We elevate ourselves. We get too comfortable with God when we look down on others and think too highly of ourselves. We can never forget that all the glory belongs to him and him alone. Amen. My Bible says I came from dust, and to dust I shall return. The only thing valuable in me is the breath of God and the Spirit of God. Everything else going back to dust. So who am I? Who am I? By the way I live, the things I say, who am I to tell God, you're not doing this right? This isn't how it's supposed to be. Who am I? Amen. Y'all with me this morning? You know, I think about what Judas must have thought when he saw Mary coming in. I said, oh, what's she bringing? That stuff's expensive. <laughs> she's going to donate that. We're going to sell it. Wait, what, what? She's pouring it out. What is wrong with you pouring it out? I think Mary looked at him and said, you don't like that? Watch this. Takes down her hair, too. <laughs> said, you don't like that? I'm going to get on my knees and wash his feet. You see, there has to be something inside of us that says, he is everything. And for me to humble myself before the king is right. For me to think that I'm somebody special and that God owes me or God's lucky to have me is wrong. Amen? It, 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 see, when, when God has brought you through, you have a spirit of thankfulness that draws you near to I don't think anything Judas could have said would have made Mary leave. Mary was there. She was grateful. She was thankful. She was staying at the feet of Christ. She was going to do it until she was done. Nobody, they tried to pull her away, scratch her. I got to say thank you to my God. Because when you have a grateful heart, you stick to the person of Christ. A grateful heart. Not a prideful heart, a grateful. When I remember where I came from, it's so hard for me to get so high and mighty that I begin to get comfortable and do things and justify and slowly fall away. Amen? Amen. Nothing will move me from his side as long as I remember where I came from. 
give him the glory that I came through and never let anyone tell me different. I want to finish with this, the last thing, and I love this. It says, the fragrance filled the room. The fragrance filled the room. See, I believe that when we maintain reverence for the Lord, his glory will fill our life. When we place him where he belongs, on the throne of our hearts, you can't just say it and then go off and do whatever you want. People don't understand that if I have faith in Christ and I'm saying I have faith in you as God, if I believe you're God, then when you say it, I'll do it. You understand that's how faith works. If I truly believe that you're God, then I believe that you know the best way, you know the right way, you know the good way that leads me to the plans that you have for me, plans to prosper me, not to harm me, to give me hope in a future, a place where heavens open up and all the blessings poured out on me so much that I don't even have enough room for it, so I got to spill over to my kids and my grandkids and my friends. Even my enemies get blessed because God's blessing me so much. If I really believe that, then I'll do what he says will make it happen. Amen? And that's reverence. It's giving God his position in who he is. When we stop criticizing each other, when we stop looking down at other people, when we start thinking to ourselves, look how good I am, look how far I've come, then we'll quit challenging God. And in a grateful heart, we stick to his presence. And we don't fall away. We stay. Amen? Amen? Just bow your heads with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us when we have been critical of other people. Forgive us, Lord, when we have allowed ourselves to think of ourselves better than others. Your word teaches us to live as if others are better than us. Forgive us, Lord, when we have become prideful at what we have done for the kingdom. Let us be reminded that all the glory belongs to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And help us, Lord, to always be thankful, to always be grateful, to always count our blessings to name them one by one just to make sure we don't forget so that our heart never turns, that we stay humble, and that we cling to your presence. Well, we don't want to fall away. We don't want to fall away. And so, Lord, I pray that right now, right now in this room, that you will fill our mind with every good thing you've done in our life. Fill us, Lord, with every miracle you've done. Or let all of our problems, our stress, our worries, our fears, let those fade away for this moment. 
And Lord, take us back to that time when you delivered us, when you healed us, when you saved us, when you rescued us. Lord, those situations where our lives should have been over. Or some of us in this room should be dead. But you delivered us. Some of us should be so depressed and and all hopped up on alcohol and drugs, but we are free by the grace of God. Some of us, Lord, the enemy told us over and over and over again, what's the purpose of living? Why do you keep living? Just take this, end it all. But, Lord, we persevered and we held on to you through it, and you brought us through. And now, Lord, we have a joy that we have never had because you are greater than our problems. Lord, fill our mind and our spirit and let us be grateful. Let us be thankful and let us never leave your presence. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said together, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a praise offering? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's going to be over there. I'm being told. Give it a try. Come. Listen to what she has to say. How are you doing? I'm good. Doing okay? Good, yes, sure sir. been nice seeing you all the time. Thank you. Let me know if you need anything. I okay. Will. All right. God bless you. You too. 